You're listening to Soundwise Podcast, a show hosted by Alex in Serbia and Vlada in Poland. Each week we cover a different artist or band and engage in open, spontaneous debates and discussions about specific parts of their discographies. Our goal is to expand their musical horizons and cover a great range of genres and styles. Find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash soundwisepod and on social media at soundwisepod. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Soundrise Podcast. Alex, how are you doing today? Hello Vlada, I'm doing really well, I've got some great news. Last week I got my first dose of the vaccine against COVID, so I was really happy about that. I'm slowly heading towards um, the normal. Uh, obviously the pandemic is not uh, over yet, but... Uh, you know this is a this is an important step towards you know going back to concerts gigs and other music venues and speaking of gigs today uh, we're going to talk about a band that was uh, really famous for you know an energetic kind of music that's also famous for great and electric gigs obviously we're talking about the dam um, all right very a very, uh, famous... a very good choice alexander on your part uh one of those bands that many consider the true pioneers of punk exactly vlada and the reason why i chose this band is is because we've never really done a punk band on our show you know we've done some bands that are that were clearly influenced by punk you know like fugazi and even some of the recent episodes like weezer and and melvin and so on fugazi a punk band but yeah I, i get what you mean yeah, at least the original punk bands. And um, whenever you talk about, you know, the UK punk scene, you often hear names such as Sex Pistols, The Clash. But the Damned are, you know, up there. They're also a, a very important part of that scene. And that's why I decided to cover them. And uh, before I start, you know, talking about the band, I want to quickly ask you, Vlada, uh, were you like familiar with them what is your experience with them uh to be fair i was familiar with them but not to a great degree um, i mean of course i knew about them i knew that they were one of those uh, pioneers of of the punk scene especially in great britain but i i never really delved uh, i never really delved deep into their catalog to be honest and uh, i'm not sure why because i really loved the clash for example uh, and i but somehow I and, and the Buzzcocks, yes. So some of their peers were really on my radar. But the Damned, while I I knew about their influence, I knew about how important they were for the whole thing. I never really uh, took a lot of interest in them. Yes, and that's why this is a great opportunity to discover new stuff. This is what our show is uh, our show is all about. So uh, let me introduce uh, the Dam to our audience and also you, Vlada. So they were formed in 19, uh, 1976 in London. The original lineup consisted of uh, Dave Vanian on vocals, uh, Captain Sensible. Uh, he was firstly the bassist and later the guitarist. Red Scabies, uh, the drummer, and Brian James as their first guitarist. And yes, they started off as a punk rock band. Um, they released, uh, they are also the band, the first UK band, UK punk band, that is, to release an LP and a single. And funnily enough, we're going to discuss that album today. 
shortly after the second album, uh, which was unfortunately a commercial failure, uh, they disbanded, but uh, later on they would uh, reunite uh, with a slightly different lineup. And uh, during the 80s, uh, they kind of made a switch. They started this goth sound, you know, they started getting into this uh, goth kind of music. They are very influential, you know, in that sense of the goth subculture, uh, mainly because of um, the singer Dave Anian, because he had this vampire look. And uh, by the late 80s, uh, they have again disbanded. Uh, the band is really, it was really affected by a lot of lineup changes. You know, former members would leave the band and then come back for some shows. So uh, kind of unstable. And that was the case also during the 90s and 2000s. But uh, they are still there. They are still touring and releasing some albums. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, last year in October, uh, they announced that they will be playing a series of shows in 2021 with the original lineup that I mentioned earlier in oh, this wow. introduction. Wow. Yes. Okay. You don't really hear that often about it right well i mean there have been a lot of reunions of that sort uh in the last few years i mean status quo comes to mind some years ago when they reunited their classic lineup uh it seems to be like a a bit of a cash cow for a lot of classic bands but it's always also a great thing for fans to be able to witness the original lineup especially for younger fans who might have not been even alive at that time like both of us weren't even alive when the when the damned released their first record so that's a great stuff uh, that's a that's great news for all the fans of music i think in general yes uh, really fun and i'm really excited about it i hope i will have the chance to attend some gigs this year i have some in plan but uh, we will see how this pandemic well it will uh, take goes. a while i think before we can fully go back to live gigs uh, a lot of people say like next fall fall 2021 20, i don't know we will see i also miss live gigs so much but of course at this time we have to be responsible and i feel like um, in certain places you get some gigs but i feel that's highly uh, irresponsible even though musicians need it so badly and i guess it's okay in certain circumstances but that's not our topic for today so let's move on to uh, to our records here so of course we start with the classic debut record here so Alex yeah, I, mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to shortly um, uh, mention a couple of things here yes we're now moving on to the records and speaking of records this band despite all the lineup changes uh, they have released 11 studio records so far and 35 singles uh, they are historically significant for the punk scene and i'm really glad that we're going to talk about the first record now so the first record uh, was released in 1977 uh, it is the first lp released by a uk punk band so this is you know this is a bit of history for you guys really important it, it is called damned 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 and uh, vlada i want to hear your thoughts first all right so yes and, and also they were the first true uk punk band to release a single back in 1976 right so uh before sex pistols that they often toured with and uh what can i say you know right from the get-go you get pretty much what you expect however there are some interesting moments throughout the record 
Um, it starts off really energetically with Neat, 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 one of the classic songs that has been quite popular in recent years as well. I think it appeared in some uh, TV shows or films. Uh, quite the quite norm nowadays for um, TV show producers to unearth some of the classic tunes that are kind of maybe half forgotten by the general public. Um, and then what I like about this is that unlike some other punk bands of the time, this band really has some chops, you know? There's this stereotype that punk bands are not very good at playing their instruments, that that's the whole essence of punk, to be able to express yourself in a very simple way. But the Damned have some dynamics to their playing. For example, uh, the, second, the second track, Fan Club, you can also hear the influence of, of the 70s rock and like maybe even psychedelia before that. Uh, and to me, this kind of stuff sounds like a precursor to post-punk. Would you agree that even though this is like a punk record, you can already hear some, some of the elements that would later go on to grace post-punk bands? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we can also say that uh, during the 80s, they were kind of post-punk, you know. They had some interesting additions. Uh, the sound was kind of different. I don't want to spoil anything right now, guys. So I would agree with that. But I have one important comment here. I generally think that this album showed that the Damned were heavily influenced by the Stooges. Would you agree, Vlada? Oh, yeah. I mean, they cover the Stooges here. We were going to get to that track, right? Uh, it's somewhere near the end, if I'm not mistaken. Let me take it's a look. It's the final track, right? Yes, and um, here it's titled as I Feel Alright, and it's at the end. But of course, it's 1970, the original song from the Stooges' legendary record, Funhouse. Maybe one of the best records of all time, in, in my humble opinion, at least. So if, if you guys haven't listened to the Stooges' Funhouse, please do yourself a favor get it somewhere and crank it up to the max because that record is meant to be listened to loud. And uh, yes, this shows how much the bands like the Stooges and MC5 were important for this whole punk movement. Nowadays, you get to hear people talking how they weren't really punks. And yeah, of course, the Stooges perhaps weren't a punk band, but they were definitely a proto-punk band. They were definitely a major piece of the puzzle and here of course the damned pay their respects and I feel that that's also something that I, I try to hint at that this band wasn't about a full departure from what came before because I, I can also hear elements of other uh, 60s 70s bands that were not necessarily punk bands so that's what I like about this record um, yeah and also speaking of the Stooges, I, I feel like they try to kind of um, sound like the Stooges in, in, the, in the sense of, um, I think they try to imitate the American accent. That's the first thing. And the second thing, lyrically speaking, this album reminds me of the Stooges debut album because it kind of sings about these struggling, distorted personalities strange behavior in that sense you know you remember those songs 
on the 1969 album. Yeah, but but while when... the Stooges, I think the Stooges had some kind of simplicity to their lyrics, which was fun, straightforward, and they weren't trying too hard, you know. And and this is the difference to me that the damned here at times sounds really juvenile. Like the the music itself is really good. Don't get me wrong. I like the drive. I like the bass and the drums. And a phenomenal guitar tone, very abrasive at times, beautifully abrasive, uh, great solos. Uh, but the lyrics sometimes leave much to be desired. They sound a bit juvenile. And, and that's okay, you know, in the context of what this band is all about. But sometimes it's a bit cringeworthy. And, um, like, let, let me just give you some of the examples. I'm really uh, curious to, to, to hear your examples. Uh like um okay so this episode is definitely going to be explicit so if you have children around please put on <laughs> the headphones because what i'm about to read is going to be very very obscene so for example um one two three oh she's so messed up she don't even bowl well she's so messed up she has no fun at all she's a sad case of hit and run i think that i would rather fuck her mum. Or uh, on another <laughs> pearl. Oh, yeah, her face is such a mess. The best thing she can do is die. Oh, well, I'd save her the trouble, but I bet you'd still call it a crime. So th these lyrics are from the song um, from the song called uh, She's So Messed Up. And I mean, it's just something it, a high schooler would write to be edgy. And, you know, it's nothing. It's so dirty. <laughs> it's stupid, but at the same time, it's kind of forgivable in a way because you know it's just a bunch of kids trying too hard. Uh, and and you know what I really liked about this whole experience of listening to the Damned is how they matured over the years. And so this first record is kind of immature in that sense, uh, but nevertheless. The, the sound itself is what makes it revolutionary. This very uh, visceral, straightforward, uh, rocking sound that is, is not reliant on the cliches, that very often incorporates very interesting guitar elements. And that's, that's what I uh, admire about this record and why I found it very enjoyable, short and enjoyable. I didn't notice any cuts where I was particularly bored, uh, it's just a solid punk record uh, in the context of time, revolutionary, but maybe compared to some other efforts, not just just as good as, let's say, The Clash's debut, which came a bit later. But, for example, The Clash, where uh, whereas these guys had this juvenile stuff, The Clash had very serious political lyrics that still had a lot of like tongue-in-cheek and humorous elements to them, so much better as songwriters. Sex Pistols, to be honest, I've never really listened to Sex Pistols that much, but even Sex Pistols, despite being kind of similar to The Damned in that regard, had more of a political message. And uh, I think this is something that's lacking here, even though this album also has politics, but in a different sense, maybe it's slightly indirect it's more about this kind of rebellious youth spirit you know saying fuck you to the world i think that's what this is all about yeah very good very good comments from your side vada um i kind of agree with you i have some songs that 
uh, I, I really liked. Like, for example, See Her Tonight. I think that was about a girl that the narrator is into. And, you know, she's cool. She doesn't like fools, etc. Um, also, Feel the Pain was a rather psychedelic song you know you mentioned some influence of the psychedelic music and i think feel the pain is the song that really portrays that yeah Um, yeah, i love those elements Uh, uh, that to me is something where they really stand out compared to some of their peers and uh, and that's 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 just the precursor of the things to come that we will discuss later when we look at their other records i don't want to spoil anything for our dear listeners uh, but yeah, I like that track too. I think that was a very cool track about a girl that he's absolutely smitten with and uh, the opposite of that other stuff that I said, uh, that, that I mentioned, that other tune. She's so messed up. This is like the opposite, the complete opposite. Yeah, exactly. And finally, I would like to ask you, what did you think about their cover of the Stooges song? I thought it was okay, I thought it was fun, but to be fair, and, and this is something where a lot of young bands make a huge error, uh, you can't replicate that kind of greatness. Especially if this is your first record and you're still learning the ropes. I mean, there are bands who were capable of that, you know, right from the get-go. You know, like last time we talked about Spirit, a band that already sounded like veterans on their first record. But in this case, uh, of course, within the context of this album, it's fun to hear it. It's, it. You could even argue it's one of the best cuts, but if you hear the original, it's it's not even close. And uh, yeah, I, what I like about it, though, is that they clearly paid respect and that that counts for something. Definitely. So I would now like to ask you, what was your favorite song here? And how would you rate this debut record, this first LP by a UK punk band? All right. So let me see. Um, hmm. There's a lot of good cuts here, so it's kind of hard to choose one. Fan Club, I really loved, have to say. like The, the first track was good, and then Fan Club had all these very dark undertones and psychedelic elements uh, already stepping a bit into the post-punk territory. I, I really love that tune. So I will choose that one, even though there were several other tunes like I Fall or um, the, the aforementioned Neat, Neat, Neat. See Her Tonight. Really good tracks. Uh, New Rose, the first true punk single of of uh, all time, you know, Uh that was also a good track with a very ferocious opening riff. So, but I'll go with Fan Club. How about you? Uh, also, multiple choices, to be fair. Um, there are some really good tracks here. But I think I will choose one of the two because I remember it was a great sounding track and it is not the only good track here. So, guys, this is a very short record. Won't take you a lot of time, so go pick pick it up and just enjoy it. Is it is history basically? And Vlada, what is your rating for this record? I would say, I would say probably seven point five. Yeah, uh, my rating is seven, so it's a good record, uh, but I feel it kind of falls short compared to the other efforts that were released soon after. You know. Um, uh, never mind the bollocks by the Sex Pistols, 
the Clash debut record, which I feel is absolutely amazing compared to this. The Buzzcocks as well, I feel, were, uh, were much better, had more to say, had this very good combination of power pop and punk. So yeah, uh, in my opinion, this is a really solid debut record, a very promising band with some nice chops as well. But yeah, I, I'll give it seven. Fair enough, Lada. And now let's move on to the latter records. Uh, we mentioned that these guys kind of matured in the meantime. And I think that was definitely the case with the next record that we're going to discuss. It's called Machine Gun Etiquette. It was released two years later in 1979. And I genuinely feel that this was a much more serious record, Vlada. What do you think? For sure, I think this is a, a huge step forward. We skipped the second record, so I, I think I might go back to check that one out to see the transition, because this already sounds like a different band. You mentioned some li lineup changes, so were there any lineup changes here? Yes, I think uh, the bassist was uh, different. Uh, it is uh, Mr. Olgi Ward. Um, he was just a short time, a short a short period of time sorry uh with the band but yeah he was on this uh he was on this record yeah and uh you know what i liked about this record okay the beginning i was somewhat skeptical with the first song because it sounded a bit cheesy like the chorus i don't know at least to me but the energy was great but then uh already the second track the self uh the the the, the title track the sorry title track, machine right? gun etiquette uh, it's already a bit better, even though it's kind of like there's this call and response punk thing. So it it was still somewhat okayish, but you know it was already better. And then I think from the third track onwards, the the record really starts rolling. Uh, I just can't be happy today. I like this one, uh, very psychedelic, post-punkish beat, pulsating throughout the song some uh, nice keyboard work so here they added keyboards which i found to be a great touch a very uplifting guitar solo the chorus really lifts you up as well and the lyrics make much more sense than the lyrics we discussed previously from their debut record it's about how the conventional society makes you unhappy how you need to resist uh, you know blending in with others I like the message, I like the song, and then from that point forward, the record gets really, really good. Would you Would you agree with me, or do you have a different outlook? I have to slightly disagree with you in the sense that I actually thought the first two songs were good. Love Song is a great, a great opening track, and Machine Gun Etiquette is also uh, really good, and I have to... I have to say something that's really interesting about the second track. So on Wikipedia, uh, would you guess the additional personnel for the second track? Particularly hand clapping. Joe Strummer and Paul Simonon, Vlada. Yes, they were all friends. All these bands toured together and they appreciated and respected, respected each other's work. So the Clash guys, that's nice to hear that they were there present for the sessions um, also, we didn't mention that the first record was produced by none other than Nick Lowe, uh, a true veteran on the music scene, a great songwriter, uh, 
in his own right. So very interesting connections with this band. And yeah, that's a really cool piece of information you got there. Yeah, but speaking of um, the the latter tracks, I have to also agree. Um, the keyboards just became much more prominent and it was a great addition to their music. It really shaped them to become this more mature band. It also, they continued you know, going in this post-punk direction. Now, um, yeah, I just can't be happy today. Melody Lee, all good tracks. But my personal standout track is Anti-Pope. And I have to... I Yours have to and mine mention, too. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, there you go. So I, I definitely have to read some lyrics out loud here. So this, first of all, this song is about criticizing religion and the church in particular and the people who go to church that is uh, for example uh, i've not i've got nothing against the church or any people that go there and show that they're ignorant i don't understand a congregation at weekends can change their behavior <laughs> that's that's some really good yes uh, criticism i, I, I have say. some pearls too that i also singled out from this song like go on um, go on I'm going back to church tonight, just like back when I was eight, but I don't mean to pray. I'm going to nick a collection plate. I think that's just brilliant. It's so whimsical and <laughs> funny. I love the humor of it. Of course, uh, it's a bit exaggerated. Um, and also, I like that uh, in another verse, he says, so many people are weak and have to seek answers from peddlers of hope. I like this exp exp uh, expression, peddlers of hope. So really, really uh, straightforward, harsh, but justified, in my opinion, at least maybe our dear listeners have a different opinion, criticism of the church uh, in this case. And again, very anti-establishment, anti-Philistine kind of song. So I really like the message. I like the whimsy of the lyrics. It wasn't as crude and stupid like the first record. Uh, you know, this has some kind of humor to it, and it has a great message. So that that's what I really appreciate. And there's mo more to it, you know. Le the, the next uh, verse that I would like to single out, uh, uh, we're going to have some fun tonight. Let's spread the news around the town that the vicar is a transvestite with a fetish for ropes and gowns. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's kind that of, you know, like very 70s punk edgy. These words nowadays would probably be, um, and probably rightfully so, considered a bit uh, too in politically incorrect. Uh, but in, in the context of what he's singing about, of course, it sounds very funny, uh, but uh, maybe not so cool today when we have a much better understanding of certain things. But I like the other lyrics that speak directly about the church and its negative influence on the society much better, I have to say. Yeah, so that track is definitely special and one of my highlights here. Um, but moving on, you also have some good tracks like uh, These Hands. It's such a creepy track with a weird vibe and it has this crazy laughter, you know, when the and the footsteps at, at the very end of the song. Uh, also, Look At You. It's a, it's a rather long song. It has these extended solos. And I personally think that on this album, they actually showed 
that they are also rock musicians, that they are good as rock musicians with these fantastic guitar solos, Vlada. Did you have yes, the same impression, it, maybe? Uh, yes, and I want to say something that I think is really important. So the song Looking at You is a well-known track that was originally done by none other than MC5. So on the first record, we have a Stooges cover, and on the third record, we have an MC5 cover. So two great Detroit garage rock bands, uh, MC5 and the Stooges. And uh, what I liked about this cover is that while, of course, just like in the case of the Stooges, they weren't quite capable of replicating that magic that MC5 had on the track, they did uh, infuse the guitar work with their uh, own identity. You know, it sounds different. It doesn't just go after replicating what Wayne Kramer did on the original record. And that's why I think this this cover to me sounds a bit more successful than than the other one that we talked about. So a very, very nice addition to this record and another tribute to the great Detroit bands from the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, but yes, I, I yeah. also uh, I also want to mention that I fully agree with you that on this record they do sound at times like a very competent '70s hard rock band. Very very nice guitar, great a great uh, rhythm section, very tight, very groovy. So they they're kind of stepping away from the punk a bit, but they still have that punky edge. So you have this perfect combination, I feel, uh, of musicianship and punk aesthetics. Yes, Vlad, I totally agree with you. And now I would like to uh, go to, I would like now to give a rating and pick a favorite track here. So uh, my rating for this uh, record is higher compared to the previous one that we discussed. I'm going to give it an 8.5. And the standard track is obviously Antipope. How about you, Vlada? All right, so I have a similar opinion. I think this is a better record. I really enjoyed it. I think it has some great tunes. Uh, we haven't even touched upon all of them. Uh, for example, the record ends with Smash It Up, part one and two, which is, interestingly enough, a song written about Mark Bolan from the T-Rex fame, who was their, their friend and that they knew from the scene and uh, a huge supporter of the band. So he passed away around that time, unfortunately, in a very uh, freak accident. Uh, some of you rock fans may know about it. So that was also another nice touch at the end. And overall, I think this record deserves... I was kind of strung out between 8 and 8.5. I'll give it an 8, I think. But... I might change my mind because I, I really, really enjoy this record a lot. Um, and, you know, that's another interesting thing. At the end of the record, there's this little Sgt. Pepper-like thingy. If you listen to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and at the end of that record, you have this really weird uh, weird loop that repeats itself, like uh, the Beatles saying something, and I think it's reversed backwards. And here you have that same thing. So that's another nice tribute to the Beatles in this case. But I'm, I'm not sure what, what the words say. So that's something maybe for you guys to, to look out for uh, because we haven't researched that. Uh, so yeah, a great record. Um, as for the highlights, I, 
I'm not sure, to be honest. A lot of good tracks. Let me just think about it. I think Antipope is mine as well, even though there were other great moments. Um, yeah, great, great record. Also, I would uh, say the cover of the MC5 song, Look at You, is also very good. Yeah, and also the there there are some songs that remind me a bit of The Doors, even. Like, um, I think it's called These Hands. Yes, These Hands has that very psychedelic organ work. Uh, kind of reminds me of Strange Days era by The Doors. And it's a, it's a song with a sick, twisted, homicidal fantasy in the lyrics. And at the end, you hear the sound of steps, like a strangler approaching his victim. Uh, so, I don't know, a very bizarre tune in a way, but it has that moment, you know, it reminds me of The Doors. It's very dark. Lots of good songs, so yeah, I'd go with Anti-Pope because I like the overall message, but I'm not sure that's really the most representative song of the record. There's a lot of good cuts here. It's purely subjective, and guys, I really encourage you to pick uh, this record up and listen to it. I think if you're into punk or just want to get into punk, definitely you should check out this, this band. And now, Vlada, we are moving on to the 80s which marked a different era for the band a different sound a different approach and um, i have to say that it was kind of difficult to pick the third record because as i said these guys uh, have released uh, 11 studio records so far that's a rich catalog and it wasn't really easy um, i actually picked this record because uh, because of some personal reasons that i won't reveal just yet and i want to um, ask you, Vlada. So the record is called Strawberries. It was released in 1982, uh, just two years before your birth. And uh, what did you think of it? Uh, a very, very interesting departure from the previous record. So here they're already deep, deep into the post-punk territory. This is not exactly the same band, even though there are still some elements from the previous records. Uh, they sound like a much more mature band. Uh, not saying that this record is better than the previous one we talked about, but, you know, musically speaking, it seems like they they were very dedicated to the arrangements, to the instrumentation, to the general atmosphere and feel of the record. And uh, if you like that dark, somewhat gothic sound, but not entirely gothic, but it, it does go into that territory especially in certain tracks you will really enjoy this record um not I to mention some the additional most gothic mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, sorry for interrupting us i think the most gothic part about this record is the singing and uh, dave really reminded me of ian curtis from joy division here yeah yeah you you get such uh, such associations uh you know even the likes of the cure come to mind at times even though it's hard to compare this band to to those bands because i feel like the damned really had their own thing going here and also the instrumentation is quite diverse you have all kinds of keyboards then you have saxophone uh, so quite different from that first record mm. it starts with an energetic incendiary opening called ignite uh, very tight sounding uh, the bass and drums are still there, those propelling bass and drums that we heard on the previous records. Uh, 
and the base is different this mm -hmm. time because they, they now have uh, Paul Gray, which is, by the way, their current bassist. Oh, very cool. That's cool. Yeah, great work. Anyway, I know that the band went through lineup changes, but this this rhythm section also sounds awesome. Then, let me think. Okay, Generals has that saxophone that I mentioned. Mm. It's uh, again, about I World War II, I guess. Yeah, um, could be. I'm not quite sure. I'm trying to remember the lyrics. Uh, Stranger on the Town. Uh, it's a song that also reminds me a bit of The Doors, the vocal style. And I think that's what reminded you of Ian Curtis, because Ian Curtis is also a bit reminiscent of Jim Morrison vocally. W would you agree with that? Yeah, uh, even though Ian Curtis was in a different band, you know, he, he sang for a post-punk dark band and the doors were, were also really dark, but a slightly different music genre. But I, I definitely agree on those deep, you know, vocals, right? Yeah, I think honestly that without the doors, you may not have that kind of dark 80s uh, post-punk slash gothic sound i think the doors were the crucial influence on that and you, you can hear that enjoy division and you can hear it here as well so dear listeners let us know what you think about that did the doors have a major influence on all these post-punk bands with the with darker vibes you know like bauhaus or joy division or here in this case the damned exactly so um, I would like to discuss this record um, in a different sense because I actually think this is the best record that we're talking about today. It is To me, it is better than the previous two. It is obviously different because it is not really a punk band, not really a punk record. It does have some elements, uh, especially when it comes to the first track, Ignite, and some other tracks, but it is more atmospheric, you know. They are fully into this post-punk slash goth um, style, and uh, the vocals are prominent, are prominent uh, instrumentally speaking. They're also reminiscent of these post-punk uh, bands, Ignite, a great opening track. Uh, I think this is a, definitely a strength of this band, starting off albums with fantastic tracks. Generals, I think it was about World War II. And a couple of other tracks that were also very good. Uh, for example, I liked the track The Dog because they kind of slow things down a bit. Uh, but I also liked that, you know, because the lyrics were good, the atmosphere was there, and... The piano arrangements, or maybe it's better to say the keyboard arrangements, were, were much better. And I liked the woofing at the end. They're, they were like imitating these dog sounds, right? Yeah, this um, is a very interesting track, and I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, I was going to say that um, another thing about this record is that it's a bit inconsistent, not in terms of quality, but in terms of the themes on the record. Like, maybe there it's better to unifying... say that it's diverse, right? Oh, well, well, there isn't a unifying concept, you know, like uh, a song like Dozen Girls is uh, whimsical, somewhat like a catchy 60s pop kind of tune uh, driven by uh, by the organ. This kind of humorous thing about a guy who's got a dozen girls, a bit tongue in cheek. And then you have the dog afterwards. And the dog is a song about a child vampire, to be to be precise. So very dark, 
horror tune and it's based on uh, the stories by Anne Rice, her book Vampire Chronicles. And if you haven't read Anne Rice, maybe you know the the 90s film, I think, with uh, Brad Pitt, um, the interview with a vampire or something like that. That was also based on an Anne Rice novel. Uh, so a huge difference in tone compared to the previous track. And I like this song a lot, The Dog. I thought it was... Uh, amazing that they got the atmosphere right that they got the lyrics right it really draws you in you can really feel that horror that eerie atmosphere about this little girl vampire who's like who looks like a five-year-old girl but it's probably like a couple of centuries old or something like that yes a very very cool moment for me as well i agree Vlad. i definitely agree i think that was also one of the main um, characteristics of this record and now moving on um yeah we mentioned the dog um the missing link was a nice bridge to a song that was the reason why i picked this record so life goes on this track was the first track ever that i heard by the damned i think i heard it years ago on the radio and if you pay a closer uh, if you if you listen carefully to this song, you will notice that it reminds you of Come As You Are by Nirvana. Or maybe it's better to say that Come As You Are reminds you of Life Goes On by The Damned. That's a very interesting story. I, I read that on the internet and... I'm not sure if this is the if this is a case of plagiarism, but it's really really reminiscent. What, what would you say, Vladim? Oh, I didn't really notice that. I, I will listen to it one more time to check that out. But uh, I also remember that "Come as You Are," basically the um, uh, Nirvana basically nicked a riff from "Killing Joke," I think, for that. Song. Yes, and "Killing Joke" actually sued them, while the Damned didn't. But it still noted that. Come As You Are, you know, reminds you of both of these songs. But I, I'd rather talk about the song itself here because I feel this is an absolute highlight uh, on the record. Oh, a yeah, great, definitely. A great track. Um, what I loved about it is the vocal melody. There's a certain sense of melancholy in it. Like, it's so beautiful. It's so... There's something about that performance that really makes it stand out. And it has that dark, melancholy sound. At the same time, it's extremely catchy. There's this beautiful vocal hook. I loved it. I think this is my highlight, even though the other songs that we mentioned are also phenomenal in their own right. But this one is, is I think, my favorite track. Yes, it's such a grand track. I definitely agree with you. One of the best tracks here. One of the most famous songs by The Damned. Uh, even though this album, as you said, has, you know, plenty of great tracks. After Life Goes On, you have Bad Time for, Bones, for Bonzo. It's such a great upbeat song. It sounds like a proper rock song. Um, the bass was great there. The keyboards were crazy, you know. And yeah, yeah. Again, some kind of whimsy there. So, I don't know, it's an interesting balance. You have these, like, very dark twisted songs and then you have those whimsical songs but they all kind of work together uh, surprisingly enough i don't know I, I think people probably have different feelings about this record because it offers such a 
such a diverse collection of songs and you just can't pigeonhole this this record you have these you know the, the record obviously starts off with punk songs and then you have these gothic sounds and then towards the end some more upbeat rock tunes also under the floor again uh it's it's a track where the rhythm section was absolutely smashing it so overall the the record really offers a lot it kind of sounds like a compilation but in that sense i would say that it's a compilation of great tracks with a couple of standouts yeah good tracks overall very consistent i'm not sure if i would take it over machine gun etiquette it's hard to say but yeah a really good record with some uh great great moments um so, Alexander, anything else you would like to mention about the song, or should we proceed to the ratings? I would like to jump to the ratings now, and I have to kind of uh, have to kind of disagree with you on on the comparison between this one and Machine Gun Etiquette. This record is actually a nine, nine out of ten in my books. A fantastic record. Definitely going back to it. So many great tracks. Life Goes On is obviously a standout. And it's really hard to pick a standout track. But I'll go with Life Goes On. And Vlada, let's now hear your thoughts. All right. I'm really glad you enjoyed it so much. I'd give it an 8. I think it's a great record too. Um, I think I will probably listen to it more. Uh, I, I don't know. There's not much bad I can say about this. I liked most of the tunes. They're very memorable. And I like how this band matured over the years. I like how they evolved. Uh, it's a huge, huge transition from that first record to this. If you play them side by side, you think it's a different band. And uh, while there are people who don't like that stuff, who like their bands to remain the same, like ACDC or other bands of that kind. I think this is something that truly creative bands should strive for. So another good record and definitely worth your time. Uh, highlight, life goes on. All right. So again, the same standard track. That's that's interesting. So, Vlada, any final words for The Damned? Uh quite an interesting band very very cool to go through different parts of their catalog from that frantic debut record that basically put them on the map and that in some ways changed the music forever if we think of them as just as important as sex pistols you know we see how much they revolutionized the music and then they weren't idle they moved on, they did other things that are also worth your time. Maybe these things were not as revolutionary or groundbreaking, but overall I think the, the quality of their music went up over the years. So a, a truly, truly remarkable band that deserves your time. I definitely agree with you. I think this record, uh, these records and this band, they're all equally important and really worth your time, dear, dear fans. And thanks a lot for listening to this episode. We would really appreciate any kind of feedback. And we would also appreciate if you decide to donate. So we know that this is a challenging time 
it is not easy to maintain all your projects and your finances, but it would mean the world to us if you could become a patron for us. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash soundrisepod, and you can support us for as little as $1 per month. That would mean a lot to us, and that would motivate us to give you the best content possible. So check that out. Check out our social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and we'll see you in two weeks. Write a review, and then you can share it. With the world. In any social media platform. And then your friends see it, and you can share and discover new shows together. This is Steph, instigator of Pod Rev Day, Podcast Review Day. And I'm Andy from Inspired Money. And I'm Arielle of Earbuds Podcast Collective and CastBox. We're here to tell you everything you need to know about Pod Rev Day. Which is on the 8th of every month, of every year, of every century, of every... You get it. We are posting podcast reviews as part of hashtag Pod Rev Day, Podcast Review Day. Because podcasters work their butt off and deserve to know how much they've impacted your lives. And you can do that through reviews. Even one star feels surprisingly <laughs> good. Does it? It lets you know that people are at least listening. Don't be a passive podcast listener. Write a review and tell your favorite creator what you love about their podcast or about a specific episode. And to participate, you just need to do one review. And we'll see you every eighth of the month. Pod Rev Day. Because podcasters deserve to hear it. Hashtag Pod Rev Day. P-O-D-R-E-V-D-A-Y.